Have you tried CTC math yet with your child? Here's a testimonial from another happy homeschool mom. Amber said, I'm absolutely thrilled with CTC math. It's a rare find that I've used with my children for more than five years now. I have six children using CTC math and each child has found it easy to navigate and very applicable. I love seeing them enjoy this math program and grow in their mathematical journey. Thank you so much for all that you are doing in providing quality math lessons for my children. If you're looking for a great online math program, visit ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day today. I am always so just excited and honored that you would choose to spend part of your day with me, um, with us here at Schoolhouse Rocked. You know, we, we everything we do, we do to encourage you and to encourage your kids in this journey of parenting and homeschooling and marriage and all the things that come with it. And so today, as we do every week, we have a fantastic guest on. Her name is Michelle Neetert. Neetert. Did I say that right? Great. Neetert. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about who she is and, and what she does. And then we are going to dig into a really important topic. You know, um, 2020 and 2021 has been a really difficult year for a lot of people. For most people. Actually, I don't know anybody who hasn't had some trials over the past year. And along with that comes our kids. And they're uncertain about a lot of things that are happening in the world right now because they see that their parents are uncertain about it. And I know for myself, sometimes I'm not sure how to navigate through the worry and the struggles that we are facing today. And so Michelle is a counselor. She's an author and a speaker, and she is going to help us figure out how to navigate through some of these things with our kids. So Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk with all of you actually about how you can navigate the world of mental health, talk to your kids about their emotions, and really become a compass for them as they may sometimes feel like they might be disappointing you if they share a struggle or maybe just don't even know how to put it in words. And I just think we as parents have such an awesome privilege, but also responsibility to help them really prepare with COVID numbers are shocking, Yvette. I'll be honest with you. I've been a mental health professional for over 20 years and own a counseling center. We have about 15 therapists in the Dallas area. But I have never seen the numbers we're seeing now. The research says for the National Institute of Mental Health, before COVID, one in four kids by the age of 18 would receive some type of mental health diagnosis, whether it's ADHD and transitional depression. And and you're going to hear me say things like this a lot. Um, When we do give a kid a diagnosis, that's a snapshot in a moment of time. Because Mm -hmm. I do believe while there is sometimes true mental illness that runs in families, Mm -hmm. your diagnosis is not a... A de- a, just an indicator of your destiny. Sure. And a lot of those things can be resolved with the help of interventions. And that's why I think it's so important for parents to be aware of that. And also just to prevent maybe some of it, because when kids get too isolated, and we've seen this with COVID, the numbers go up. So right mm-hmm. now, the National Institute of Mental Health and a lot of the organizations are are really presenting one in three adults and one in three kids is presenting with a mental health type. So they're either depressed and don't have any energy and feel very hopeless, a lot of tears, 
or very much our country has been a country that the stress has turned towards anxiousness where we've got these racing thoughts, Mm -hmm. we're having trouble sleeping, we can't contain that a lot of times. So I'm so excited to just, you know, talk to you about your kids. I am right there in the trenches with you. We were just talking about that. I have an 11, almost 11 year old son, almost 14 year old daughter who I'm home with two days a week every week. And just, you know, we're navigating these things. Although I will laugh. You said, you know, COVID has really impacted almost everybody. There are two exceptions, I think, to the rule. Uh, My husband and my son are pretty extreme introverts. And my son has been doing, you know, homeschool now. (laughs) When all this hit, he transitioned some and he is living his best life ever. Nice. (laughs) He will tell you that because they don't really like to go out and do a lot of things with other people. They really just have this great close relationship. Right. And um, they they love that their extroverted mother and sister cannot drag them out <laughs> near as much as they used to. So my husband's fishing on a kayak a lot that he used to travel and he's happy to be home. And my son is socializing once a week like his counselor mother asked him to do and having a great time in the comfort of his pajamas you know, learning and and just growing and things like that as well. So it's been really interesting to watch him adjust for sure. That's funny. It's funny you say that because it really is true that depending on the personality of the child and of the parent, there are some who through this time have been like, this has been amazing. We've been home. We haven't been able to go out much. And so it's been great that it's forced us to stay home. And then there's others who are like, get me out of this house. You know, it just <laughs> depends on the family. It depends on the child. It depends on the parent. Um, but even with that, even those who are introverts, I think when they hear their parents talking or maybe friends of theirs talking, you know, we it's like we constantly are having these curveballs thrown at us and trying to figure out, you know, what what does the future of our country look like? What does the future look like for our children? And what we don't even know what next week looks like, much less 10 years from now or 20 years from now. And, you know, I, I'm so grateful that we serve a sovereign God who knows all things and we can trust him and we know that he has such a good plan for us. Mm-hmm. But even in knowing that, we often struggle and our kids often struggle. And so I would love for you to talk talk to us first about how to maybe recognize some of the struggles that our kids are having. And, and I find, at least with my own kids, I have one daughter who's very much like me and one who's very much like my husband. And the one who's of course more like him he's able oftentimes to relate more with her and her feelings and emotions cuz he he just he gets it you know she she has more of his personality and the other one i can definitely relate more to her and so it's hard sometimes to be able to read our kids and figure out what it is that they're struggling with because sometimes they can't even express it verbally so how can we look at our kids how can we figure out what some of their struggles are and how can we help them to work through that. But first we're gonna take a break and we'll be right back before we talk about that. What we do at IEW is break through the, the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts and we say, this is what you do step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com. 
that was an early break, but I want you to, I, I want this to be a good answer. And so I, I, yeah. I didn't want to interrupt you in the middle of it. <laughs> so we are back with Michelle. And before the break, I was talking about how we can, asking her the question, how can we recognize when our kids are having struggles? So Michelle, can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first and most important thing we want to do, and hopefully we're already on board with this, and that is we are having connected conversations with our kids already about their spiritual development, their emotional development, their social development. And, and Sissy Goff has great resources on that. She's another counselor that works out in Nashville and they have a, she, she and Dave Thomas and another therapist have a book called Are My Kids on Track? And it really talks about those different areas. Um, but I want to dig into a couple of them specifically that first of all, we do want to be talking to our kids. So here's a simple question that might you might find have a, some surprising answers to it. For example, I asked my daughter, I think about a month after the shutdown happened, when was the last time you cried? And I mean, I'm a mental health professional. I'm paid to assess kids for a living. I've done it on, you know, a large, broad basis and then on a one-on-one -on -one basis in the office. And my daughter said to me, mom, I have cried every day hmm. for the last two weeks. Her co-op was in a Zoom type scenario yeah. and that is not how she thrives. Right. And so that was really, really difficult for her. I had no idea that the shutdown had caused such um, hopelessness in her. Like, is this ever going to end? And, you know, kids live in the moment and they don't have the perspective we do of decades. Mm -hmm. And we have to remember that. So everything is going to feel more intense for them than it is for us. Right. Unless you have that kid, like we talked about those exceptions, like everything's water off a duck's back and you just like them to react to anything. But those are rare birds these days. So I think one thing is to ask your child, when's the last time you cried? And we made some changes with her. We opened up some networks and mamas in the parking lots and minivans and suburbans with the backs up and um, distancing apart just to kind of be safe at the beginning. But it, we realized the significance of there's not only physical risk with anything like this that comes our way, but there's social and emotional risk too. And we really began to look at that. So that's the first question. I asked my son the other day, well, when was the last time you were mad and what were you mad about? That's another good question. Just begin this whole sad, mad, and scared. Hmm. Working on a picture book series on that with a co-author right now, just to know that God gave us these emotions. And these are indicators that something is up in us, either outside of us or inside of us. So also asking when was the last, and he, I remember him telling me that he had read some kind of silly book um, and he had like, thought it was fine. And then he went to bed and then his imagination, my son's got a great imagination when it comes to creating scary things in his head, you know? And so that's, I noticed this a lot with tweens and teens. When our kids are little, we spend and invest a lot of time in a bedtime routine to help get them to go to bed so they don't bounce out. Right. <laughs> so we spend this time, right? We, we read with them and we're, and that's a great time because they're more still and we can get that reading in with them. They can read with us. And, you know, I laugh. I, I'll never forget the day. I was so excited that my kids went from learning to read to reading to learn yeah. in our home, because as a homeschool mom, that's just like the day where you're like, right. <laughs> there's, there's just a lot less sitting for you and right. attention for you. And and that's a weakness of mine, to be honest. So um, with that, as much as I enjoy reading, that kind of what we see in the research is with the young kids is we do this singing, we do this praying, we do this reading. 
that helps kids, all the worries of the day, all the distractions of the day, we kind of, we settle all that down Mm. for them. But then they get to be tweens and teens. And all of a sudden we're like, give me a hug, good night, bye. And they're headed upstairs and they are not telling you this, but their minds just like ours, a lot of times are going. And they're thinking through what they said, how they said it, how it was received, all these different kinds of things. So one of the other questions I love to ask my kids is, what did you think about before you went to bed last night? Mm. And I noticed with the pandemic, my son really became, I laughed because we have very strict rules with our screens. We do allow them. I know different families have different rules about that, but, but, but we have rules around bedtime. And so he started wanting to read more and more. And I think it was to distract himself. He found this series that I can't remember how we found it called Scaredy Squirrel. And Scaredy Squirrel has all these coping skills in it. The therapist's son found his own coping book, which I ended up (laughs) using at the counseling center down the road. But, um, you know, I I think it's so important. One of the first things I taught my kids um, when my son was going through a lot of separation anxiety, because um, my husband has a twin sister and she and her husband uh, about five years ago, were both diagnosed with cancer two weeks apart, died two years apart, left behind three children. And I was so worried about their kids, you know, like taking care of them. I, I, and I talked to my daughter a lot, but my son was very young. Well, my son was so young that he really thought a lot of parents, both of them died and right. leave their kids behind. He could, he globalized that internally in such a way I never considered. Right. And so I taught him at that time that, that Timothy verse, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And I think our kids need that verse now more than ever to right. claim that power and that sound mind that that is some, that is an inheritance we have and we want to battle our fears in such a way that that takes place so i think training them at night is another good way to have those conversations i'm becoming more interested i had a friend who just released a bible study on the armor of god Catherine bird okay. and i spend every summer because I think it's such a good time. We don't do a lot of academics in the summer, but I use that time for intentional discipleship. Mm-hmm. And I call it life skills. My kids call it AKA chores. Right. But, you know, but like, you know, I want them to know how to cook and do certain things well during that time. And so I'm so excited to talk to my son more about the armor of God because, you know, spirituality can sound kind of almost like this mystical ghost kind of thing. And I think. If there was ever a time to arm our kids, this is the time to help them like learn that, you know, helmet of salvation and those types of things. Right. So I, I think it's really important we're talking to our kids about their worries, but also we're not immediately slapping a solution on. Hmm. And I want to talk about that for just a minute. Sure. Because the research says from a psychological perspective, but I see this spiritually too. Look at Psalms. I mean, David looks bipolar in Psalms, yeah. man, impressive. <laughs> He's like, Lord, I will praise you. And then the next, and I am on the mountaintop. And the next minute he's like, slay me now, God. I just want to end this. And we can have those emotional roller coasters and so can our kids, but it's safe to go to God with those. And we want to teach our kids that too, Mm. that you can ride that. You know, I tell kids all the time, your emotions should never drive your bus, but they need to be on the bus. Mm. 
And I know some parents aren't super comfortable with that. They don't have a lot of emotions on their bus and they really aren't very comfortable with them. So one of the things we work a lot with is just helping parents become comfortable with theirs. Mm -hmm. I had one dad, he's like, I'm not that emotional. I'm like, really? Because your family, because we do family counseling with any minor kid and unless there's a reason not to. And, you know, I said, really? Because your family kind of reports to me that you kind of blow up out of nowhere sometimes. I'm like, you know, that's an emotion too. Anger. (laughs) is one of them. And he's like, that's really true. I really do struggle with that. Like I pretend like it's not there. And then it's kind of like, I'm like, so let's talk about that. And then let's let you talk to the kids about that and where that comes from. And, and maybe some better ways to deal with that on a scale. Like I like to do shading scales with kids or, you know, things because emotions aren't just sad, mad, and scared. They're like disappointed and devastated there. There's these big like spectrums. And we want to really develop that vocabulary in our kids so they get perspective because I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but have you ever told your child no and their reaction sounded like grandma just died? You know, it's like, because <laughs> <laughs> you got teenage girls. So I figure right. you know what I'm talking yep, about. Yep. Like one time I said, you know, I'm, I'm like, I literally said to my daughter, I said, I wish I could have recorded this because all I said was we don't have time to go to, to the drive through before your brother's game. And you'd have thought I said, like, we're not going on vacation or doing anything fun for a year. Right. It was like I had just <laughs> devastated her. But, you know, that's part of it is teaching our kids to manage those expectations, yeah. sharing with them when we're struggling. A lot of us have expectations of the summer that may or may not come true for us. Yeah. And one of the things I've, a lot of people have said, if you could give kids one thing, like if I could give a homeschool child one tool for this year, I would give them and their parent flexibility. Hmm. Because I think we just need it. We need to really kind of do the, this is the day that God has made and not worry about the future as much and trust that, like you said, there's a good God with good plans. So definitely talking about emotions. The next thing I want to look at is behavior. Okay. Okay. Because that honestly is where it becomes physiological. Mm -hmm. The mental health has gone beyond the internal mental and emotional thought process. Sure. Um, We want our thoughts driving the bus. We want our emotions on the bus because kids, just going back to this, they need to be able to name the emotion they're feeling. And that's why we want to learn those spectrums. Like even identify where they feel it in their body. Mm -hmm. That's the physical component that we're now going to talk about. And in order to release it, the research says that it needs a movement or a sound. Hmm. So like my assistants always know when I'm stressed because they'll hear me go, (sighs) and I'm kind of getting a movement and a sound out of that. I'm releasing that stress after I like, I can feel it in my shoulders and I'm letting it go. The research says, if we don't do that, we'll do something called looping. And that's where that emotion will come back up and sometimes intensify because it's not worked through. So I think even if you got a little toddler, you know, I remember back in the days I worked with a pediatrician and and you would get down on your knees with them. And you would say, like, I talked to the mops moms about, you know, I know you're mad. You're so mad. You can't have an ice cream cone right now. And then to say, but you're going to be okay. And there will be more ice cream in your future. Mm. But for that kid, before I say the, but I let them go. Yeah, I'm mad. I'm really mad because it gives them a chance to explain that. And then for my kids, we did not have a timeout area in our home. We had a calm down step. And we had things like pinwheels and bubbles and squishy balls, things that really it was a time for them to pray 
and ask God to help them with whatever feeling they were feeling. In fact, that was the big thing we had on the, if you open the box, it said, ask God, you know, cause that they could read those three, those right. are two, three letter words, you know, right. and then to begin to work through that. But we want to look for those physical symptoms. You know, obviously if they throw themselves down on the ground, you know, you've either, you may not have mad though. You may have so scared they're overwhelmed, mm -hmm. especially kids with sensory issues. You will see that maybe the tags and the sound and the smell. I, I'm living in a house with two of those and it, it's amazing what they can. In fact, the best thing about COVID when my husband got it is he could not spell, smell and I could cook whatever I wanted without <laughs> him complaining. Like, it was so great. The garlic could run rampant and he wouldn't care because normally he's like, I can't breathe. What's that smell? You know. But anyway, so we want to look at these physical sensations and not only the ones where they're throwing maybe a tantrum, are they withdrawing? Mm -hmm. completely and not doing as much talking. I ask my kids all the time, who, what friends have you talked to today? Mm -hmm. Who have you interacted with? Especially as our kids get older, some of that goes on. I, I never thought I'd be telling my kid, just get on FaceTime and talk to a friend. Right. Like if you yeah. had told me, <laughs> if you had told me a decade ago that that would have been my response in adolescence, you know, only COVID I say, but We've made some adaptations there, but I want to know, who are you talking to? What are yeah. you talking about? Sometimes kids have a hard time talking about their own worries in this, especially they're a little defensive as they get to be in high school. So I'll ask them, what are your friends worried about? Because that's the conversations sure. they're having yeah. with their friends. Yeah. Okay. So then we want to look at sleep too. So I love to ask my kids, what did you dream about last night? Did you fall asleep easily? Did you stay asleep? How, you know, how was your night? And that's a great way to find that out because when sleep is becoming interrupted, that's another sign that we may need like a supplement, like magnesium. I give my kids magnesium at night if they're having some trouble with that. And I, I'm not a medical doctor, but as long as they're not taking other things, I do have a training in integrative nutrition for mental health. Mm -hmm. And that is just a really easy thing that can reduce anxiety for all of us. Don't overdo it or you'll hit right. the bowels a little hard. Okay. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. And then I've also asked them too. I like, like I'll watch their eating. Um, and you don't want to over like watch it, but what I, I love what Dr. Kathy Cook says about being a student of your child right. and being yeah. curious about them. So I notice, Oh, now, don't freak out. I'm an eating disorder specialist. And just let me say now, don't freak out if your child skips a couple meals or eats some really huge meals because our kids, like they round out and then they shoot up and then they round out and then they shoot up. So I tell parents, unless your pediatrician is expressing concern mm -hmm. about their physical health and their, their BMI is a term we're going to use medically, they're probably in an okay zone for right. that. And even when they do, they just say things like, one of the things I noticed with COVID is my kids started spending more time in the pantry. So I just asked them when they wanted a snack, could you get the snack out of the fridge? And that way I knew they were getting like string cheese or yogurt or fruit or a vegetable or something like that, that they weren't just constantly, you know, soothing themselves <laughs> with those carbs, Yeah, <laughs> which we have to admit, I mean, I did a lot of that too. Yeah. In fact, I told my daughter, like, we have this thing with Toll House cookies going on that like, um, tell her. Like my, my husband, she's got to put the cookies up. He's like, you're buying the cookie dough. I'm like, I'm wearing the cookie dough is what's really going on here because I keep going to the kitchen saying I'm not going to eat the cookies and I do. So if we do see kids all of a sudden soothing themselves with food or something like that, and I want to both normalize and caution a very common coping skill in our country right now, and that's distraction. Hmm. 
Because when I go and speak to women's groups around the country and I say, you know, during COVID-19, who's eaten more carbs than they usually do? There's a lot of people standing up. But when I say who's binged a series, the whole room's almost up. Kids are gaming. Parents are watching. We're all trying to distract ourselves from the worries of tomorrow. And as long as it's moderated, a distraction is a healthy thing. It's part of dialectical behavioral therapy that we use in the counseling office. But if it becomes compulsive and you spend more of your life living in the distracted world than in the actual world, enjoying it and interacting with people and being present in your circumstances, it's become a problem for you. And I think we're all going to have to readjust to that a little bit. Yeah. Because I think I've noticed a lot of parents have struggled with productivity because they are wanting to escape their anxiety right right now. Right, right. This is such good stuff. Um, We're out of time for this episode, but let's come back on Wednesday because you threw out a bunch of stuff that I want to go back to and and have you um, dig a little bit deeper in those things. So um, thank you so much, Michelle. Tell me where we can find out more about you and um, your counseling ministry and what you do. Your mentalhealthcoach.com is much easier to spell than michelleneater.com. Okay. So you can find me there. Okay. <laughs> and also lovedandcherished.me is where the g- devotion for girls that so appropriately came out in September, Loved and Cherished, because if we can remind our kids of how loved they are and the hope that they have in scripture, I think it will really help as they experience kind of the rejection of our world and also just the worldview that you're valued based on your performance and your appearance and how other people receive you instead of a biblical worldview where you're really, really your identity comes from who God created you to be and the plans he has for you. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, great. So we're, and we're going to talk about uh, more about loved and cherished. Thank you so much, Michelle, for being with us today. We will be back on Wednesday to talk more about this. You guys, please share this with your friends and family. If you have friends who are homeschooling, especially with a topic like this, that all of us are dealing with different Uh, struggles with our kids and different emotions, uh, this is a fantastic resource for them. So be sure to share this podcast. Also, if you have not yet signed up for our newsletter, please go to schoolhouserocked.com and be sure to sign up for our newsletter so you can get even more encouragement from us that way. We will be back on Wednesday. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day and we will see you then. Bye. Every year, parents just like you are discovering Classical Conversations, a vibrant, supportive Christian homeschooling program that's been equipping parents since 1997 with the resources, tools, guidance, and encouragement they need to homeschool their children with confidence and prepare them for a lifetime of success. Visit our website at classicalconversations.com to find a nearby community and learn more about homeschooling the Classical Conversations way. Classical Conversations, Christian homeschooling simplified.